We're going to spend some uh, time together thinking about uh, some of those experiences of those people that first uh, reached the tomb that very first Easter Sunday uh, and bringing to an end our journey that we've been having over these weeks through the, the, the story of Luke. Four people uh, wrote down something of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And we've been following much of what Luke has been uh, writing and recording for us that we might understand together the life of uh, Jesus. And so we come to this final uh, one, following Jesus to the resurrection. And just as on Friday we invited you to take a journey that left metaphorically where you are and to go to the cross and to think about what happened there and to reflect on how what happened there touches you and changes you, this morning we're inviting you to come with us to the grave to discover there what was not expected to be discovered, to find there what uh, people had no idea, truly, that they were going to fight. So that's the journey that we're going to take together over the next uh, uh, perhaps 20 minutes or so. Uh, and I want to invite you, as we do that, to think about something in your own life that will be, as, a, as it were, a kind of background uh, or, or, a, or a headline to what uh, we're going to share together this morning. And uh, the question is this. What situation or circumstance in your life does God want the resurrection to give you hope and confidence for today? So if Jesus died and rose again, if he took the most tragic of moments and turned it into something more glorious than we could imagine... Where in your life today does God want to bring that resurrection hope? Do you think about your own experience and people that you know and you love and uh, your own reflections on the life that you're living and the situations that you're in now? What is it? What is it in your life that feels a bit like Good Friday in all its horror and all its hopelessness maybe that God might want to put his finger on put his hand on and turn into a Resurrection Sunday kind of moment. Because whatever else, Jesus didn't die uh, 2,000 years ago and, and, and rise again for me to live the same kind of way. It cannot be that he died on a cross and came back to life so that I can go back and forth to work, pay the bills and clean the house. And not for you either. So where is it today that the Resurrection is going to make a difference in your life if you're willing to let it? Where is it today that the resurrection will bring that transformation of which it speaks? You see, whatever your story, there is nothing as hopeless as what we witnessed on Good Friday. There is no horror greater than that, that we should take a man from God who lived a perfect life, who aspired to everything, and not only aspired, but succeeded in, in everything where we fail. And we should take him, throw, so threatened by him, so concerned by him, that we should nail him to a cross. There's nothing more horrific than that. So whatever your story, whatever, whoever, and wherever, the resurrection is God's offer of hope. Whatever, whoever, wherever, the resurrection is God's promise that it can be 
that it will be different. Whatever, whoever, wherever, the resurrection surely must be God's shout to all humanity that the now need not be how it will be. Good news? That the present, your present and mine, need not control the future. That the ways things are is not the way they will end up. When it looked like everything was over, it was only just beginning. That's the Easter story. When it looked like everything was lost and all was hopeless, in fact things were only just getting started. When it looked like on the cross a massive, gigantic loss, it was simply making way for an even greater victory. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that when your hour and mine seems at its darkest, a light brighter than the sun is moments away from breaking through. Let's pause together for a moment. Where is your Good Friday? What in your life represents the day when it all goes black and the skies are dark? Where is it today, the risen Jesus, would bring a gigantic victory. Where is it when it seems dark, darker maybe than you've ever known? Could it be that there's a light brighter than the sun, just moments away from breaking through? That's the Easter story. So make this story even now, Lord God, a reality in our lives. So much more than words. So much more than events a long time ago. But the death and resurrection real in our lives, in our experience, in this day. Amen. You see, that's what we all need, isn't it? Isn't that what the whole world seeks? To have all those things we don't understand, all those things that seem to be wrong and out of place, all those things that don't make sense in our lives. Isn't that what everyone longs for? To see those things transformed into something greater and more amazing than we can imagine. That's what every religion around the world is seeking. Every action that you are called to in whatever uh, a journey of faith is in order to take that which is wrong and broken and damaged and to turn it back into all that we believe it was meant to be. And so they go on around the world in so many different ways. And here we have it in the resurrection of Jesus. We have what everyone seeks, that their darkness might be turned into glorious light. So how do we this morning come out of the shadows into the brightness of the Easter sun? How do we make that journey today in our lives? Well, I want to invite you by using three different questions that come to us from these pages, from the stories of those people who first got to the tomb. 
You see, when the women get to the tomb, they're shocked to find the stone rolled away. Their instant thought is that already grave robbers have been at the tomb. You can't imagine, can you, the, the pain they must have felt, that moment of horror when they realise that the tomb has already been tampered with, just a, a day or so old, already too much to bear. So they race inside, racing themselves to experience, to see a visual mess. Now, burglars ransack a house. They imagine to see everything scattered. They imagine a scene that will be deeply disturbing. They, they imagine a horror and they're braced for it. Whatever they had expected, it wasn't to find nothing there. Where is he? Who'd steal a corpse? What, what have they done with him? Who would do that? The questions race through their minds and the Bible says they've barely got time to compose themselves and suddenly two angels are with them. Two men in sparkling white. And then these men, in good Jesus tradition, ask a very penetrating question. If you follow the story of Jesus, you will know that one of his brilliant ways of opening up our lives, of revealing truth to us, of exposing our hearts, of helping us see what we need, is to ask a brilliant question. And so Jesus would have asked the crowds and the disciples brilliant questions. And in his honour, these two men ask a really insightful question. In their fright, the women bow down with their faces to the ground. And here it is. Why do you look for the living among the dead? A question that would get right to the heart of what was going on in these moments. Hear the challenge in the question to think about where you're looking. Where are you looking This Easter, where are you looking? Like these women, we too look for comfort in our distress. Like these women and these early disciples, we too are looking to make sense of all the bad things, the wrong things that have happened to us. We're we're desperate to find meaning and purpose and we need that same penetrating question. Where are you looking today? You see, people are looking everywhere into everything, but if you're looking in the wrong place, you'll never find what you're looking for. A few days ago, I turned our lounge upside down looking for the Wii remote. How can you possibly get through a day without playing Mario Kart? All the cushions out, the magazine rack, move the sofas, the kids are trying to get ready for school. You can't, we've got to find the remote. It had to be somewhere. And you know when you lose something, what do you do if you lose your keys and your mobile? Who watched Britain's Got Talent last night? But in the end, I gave up in the lounge. I can't find it anywhere, so I'm whining to everyone about it. And do you know what it's like when you've lost something, and it seems like the most important thing in the world, and nobody else cares? We've got lives to lead, Dad. We're... So I'm whining about this to everyone, and then eventually someone says, we had it on Monday. Ha-ha! That's the biggest clue that I needed. You see, Monday tea time in our house is always manic. Well, there's loads of people in our house on Mondays at tea time, including Lucy Earle, uh, Claire Richards' three-year-old, who comes and, and has tea with us on a Monday evening. Uh, and uh, one of the things that Lucy, a three-year-old little girl, loves to do is to play with our wicker basket that's full of babies and blankets and bottles and prams. And on Monday, as usual, we got the basket down and all the contents of the wicker basket were scattered all over the lounge. And if you've watched little girls, you know they love getting things and putting things in little bags. 
putting things in little pushchairs. And older girls are just the same. It's just the things are a lot more expensive that they put in little bags and they put in little pushchairs and nothing much changes. And suddenly the penny drops. The Wii remote. Rush upstairs, get the wicker basket down from the shelf in the cupboard, get it. They're wrapped up in a blanket. Is my Wii remote. Praise God. I can play Just Dance 3 before I go to bed. You see, if you're looking in the wrong place, you're never, ever going to find it. It didn't matter how hard I looked, it wasn't there. And as these women grope around in the early morning mist at the grave of Jesus, it doesn't matter how hard they looked, he wasn't there. Why are you looking, said the angels, in this place of death for one who is alive? Could it be that we're looking for real life, but we're always looking in the wrong place? The Bible says that this world is dying. This world is temporary. This world is passing away. And there's a sense in which we know that's true. Every child that's born, every flower that buds, everything that grows has a single destination in the end. And if that's true, and for sure it is, then it doesn't matter how hard we look, how diligently we search this place of death. Because if we're looking in the wrong place, the real life that we crave will always elude us. And so we see people again and again that are exhausted from the search of looking in the wrong place. We'll not find it amongst these things of death, these things that are, that are simply passing away, these things that are so fleeting that we'll be here for a moment if we look to money and houses and clothes and financial security and good looks and manicured lawns, if we focus all our efforts on what we achieve, how much we're liked, what social networks we're a part of, all will pass away. There'll be a day when the money runs out, there'll be a day when your house looks jaded, and there'll be a day when your lawn ends up looking like mine. And the life we crave will elude us if we're looking in the wrong place. The we remote was not in the lounge, and it didn't matter how hard I looked. The new life is not found in the things of earth, because the angel said, he's not here, he's risen. Yeah, the, the, ah, thank you, Chris. Spot on. As Jesus, as soon as Jesus was risen, have you noticed this? As soon as he'd broken the power of sin, as soon as he'd conquered death, this world couldn't hold him anymore. Couldn't contain him. He would move instantly from place to place. He would appear and then disappear. He'd eat a meal and then he'd be gone. And soon he would be gone forever. This world could not Hold him. If we want the life that is broken free from this world, if we want the life that this world can never take from us, if we want the life that death itself cannot hold, we need Jesus. And the world can't hold him. And the world will not be able to hold us either. That's the power of the resurrection that triumphs over everything. A life no longer bound and tethered by the temporal now, A life that has much greater purpose than the number of our days. A life that is free from the shackles of our sin, our death, our disappointment, disease and decay. If that's what we want, then it will be found in another world. In Jesus.
in Jesus. In Jesus. So where are you looking this Easter? Where are you looking? The scene moved quickly on and they raced back to tell the others. The men, it's still early in the morning, are somewhere under their duvet, grunting away. And the women shake them awake. And that uh, they're perplexed by what the women said. Nothing new about that. And Peter then thinks, I'm going to go and investigate for myself. And he runs to the tomb and bending over, he looks inside. And I love the detail. This is what he saw when he looked inside. And he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So we know that the strips of linen were lying there. John in his gospel tells us a little bit more of exactly what Peter and John saw when they went to the tomb. That the cloth was folded. The cloth that had been round Jesus' head was folded up and placed on the side. There are two types of people in this world. There are those that when they view something... Put it away. And then there are those who don't. Hands up if you are someone who, when you've used something, puts it away. And keep your hands up if you found yourself living with someone who doesn't. Because that's the way it works, everybody. Glorious, rich tapestry of life. God puts things away when he's done with them. And the grave cloth was folded up, put away, because it was done with, finished, didn't need it anymore. What are you leaving behind this Easter? What are you done with? What don't you need anymore? Is it time to leave an habitual sin, a destructive habit behind Time to leave a bad attitude, a hard heart, an unforgiving spirit behind. Time to leave regrets and failures and things that cause us shame and guilt. Time to leave them behind. What are the grave clothes that have encircled you? What signs of death do you and I need to throw off this Easter? To fold them up and leave them behind. The resurrection reminds us that it's time to leave some things behind. And that's hard for sure. The grave clothes are wrapped very tightly round a dead body. And it might feel like sometimes that some of these things that we'd love to leave behind are wrapped very tightly around us. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You'd love to throw something off, but it's wrapped so tightly around you. Sometimes it's so tight around you, feel like you can barely breathe. How on earth can I leave that behind? The resurrected Jesus just rose and left the linen strips just where they were. That's the power of resurrection. That God calls you out of those things that just wrap so tightly around you. Nothing could hold Jesus. Nothing need hold us. So what is it today that holds you back? What is it today that's tight and you wish you could be free from it? That's what the resurrection of Jesus is for all of us. What will you leave behind today? One of the great things about the story is that Jesus appeared to ordinary people. This was the champion. He was the champion of ordinary folk. Don't misunderstand me, but Jesus appearing to the women first was a radical subversion of the culture. 
Then we read how he met, just uh, the next verses uh, after what Jill read, uh, Jesus met two people walking on the road to Emmaus. We, we only know the name of one of them, so ordinary that we don't even know their names. Ordinary people caught up in these extraordinary, extraordinary events. And after his resurrection, Jesus gathers them together and he begins to teach them everything they need to understand about the mission that Jesus had for them. And right at the end of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, we see a picture of Jesus just gathering these disciples together and he opened their minds so that they could see and understand the Bible. It says he opened their minds to all that uh, needed to happen, how Jesus would need to die and suffer, how the Bible promised that he would rise again on the third day. And then he opened their minds to the mission of God that would see repentance and the forgiveness of sins being preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So almost this last glimpse of Jesus, we see him coaching the team. It's, a, it's, it's the first huddle that we get gathering them together, inspiring them, giving them vision of the life that they could live, the cause they could take up, the mission that they could follow. And then the invitation to these ordinary people that says, you can be part of this. You can be part of what Jesus began when he rose from the dead. You can share in this. You can live this life. You can breathe this life. You can even die for this cause. And many of them did. And so the final question that Luke leaves us with uh, as we go through this resurrection story is this. Who are you living for this Easter? Who are you living for? Are you saying yes to being part of the great missional adventure that the risen Jesus started? Yes to seeing people turn their lives around in the power of God. Saying yes to seeing people that that are absorbed in the temple now, discovering a life that's eternal. Are you committed to a mission of seeing people experience the forgiveness that God offers and the name of Jesus being taken to the ends of the earth? That's why we're here, isn't it? Several thousand miles away from where it happened, several thousand years on, because people have been part of the Jesus story. And that's the invitation to us today. A purpose far greater than we might ever imagine. To be part of his story in the here and now. To be part of something that will go on until that day. All this temporal stuff is shoved away, swept away. And we stand before him with those things that will last forever. So as you think about your life this Easter, as you think about your comings and goings, As you think about your priorities, who are you living for this Easter? As you think about the way you spend your time, who are you living for this Easter? As you think about the way you bring up your family, as you think about the way you spend your money, as you think about the way you plan your future or pursue your career or manage your business or behave at work or live in your neighborhood, who are you living for this Easter? Over 2,000 years, we've seen the most incredible story, the Jesus story. People coming to faith today in more numbers than at any other time in history. We've seen a movement that's seen colossal change in countries and continents over those 2,000 years. Lives and communities changed. 
We've seen people experience the presence of God in the most profound ways. We've seen people healed and miracles happen. We've seen people discover a life that this world cannot give and that this world can never rob them from, come what may. I want to be part of that today. I want to be part of those who say to the risen Jesus, when he says to us this morning, are you in? I want to say yes, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. And yes, risen Jesus, release me from my grave clothes so that I can give myself as fully as I'm able to your purpose this day. Break me free from every shackle from this temporal world, from every sin that would, that would clog me up and bind me down and hold me back, that I might live the life that only you, Lord Jesus, offer and only you came to bring. That's the question. Who are you living for? So where are you looking then this Easter? Where are you looking? And what are you leaving behind? If the resurrection makes any difference at all, surely there are things for all of us to leave behind. And who are you living for today? Let's pray for a moment.